Good morning. Sorry, I got caught up in the screen. I thought I was just picturing March Madness on that thing. Anyhow, uh, thank you for coming this morning. I, um, I, I was thinking this week about everybody in this room. And in this room, you have, I mean, there are all kinds of difficulties people have faced in this room. I mean, we could just spend days here talking about that stuff. But I want to talk about one struggle that I think is universal to every single person in here. And actually, Jody Barker brought it up last summer. Um, she, she talked about that, that, like when you're sick and you've got a stomach bug and you need to throw up. And she really talked about the relief that comes after that happens. I am here to talk about the lead-in to all that, okay? Without getting too detailed. But, uh, and here's why. I came down with a stomach bug a couple of weeks ago. And have you noticed our, our attitude about, about that kind of moment? When, when, you're, when it's not present, what, what do we think? We just think, if that happens, how will I, how will I at least settle, settle everything down? Just saltines, some Sprite. And we think, no big deal. But when it hits, it is not as simple as saltines and a little bit of Sprite. I mean, I was sitting there two weeks ago, just leaning over the trash can, and it, I mean, we're just pathetic in these moments. I, I was sitting there and I was paying attention to my breathing and I was just hoping nobody was recording this because I was just like, <sighs> <sighs> and, and your prayer life gets incredible in those moments usually. I, I mean, I was like, Jesus, I will give you my life if you'll keep me from throwing up right now. And he's like, you already did that. What else you got, Nathan? And I went, I, I will never sin again. And he went, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. And isn't it interesting that when we're outside of a trying time or a trial, I mean, that's a, that's a silly example, but I think it's a picture of how we walk through trials. When life presses on us, I think it's a picture. Because when we're not facing a trial, you know what we think? We think, I got it. I've got it. But when we're in it, You know what we think? It's got me. It's got me. And so you know what we spend a lot of our time doing? Trying to avoid the difficulty and trying to avoid the trial. Now, why do I bring all this up? Because this morning, we're going to look at a passage as we continue through Mark. It's Mark chapter 14. And it's actually the last night of Jesus' life. And in Mark chapter 14, we see, we really see a shift that Jesus asks his disciples to make that has profound implications for us. If we can make that shift, we see exactly what hangs in the balance, when we can make that shift or when we can't. And so if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Mark chapter 14. If not, it'll be on the screen so you can follow along. But take a look at Mark chapter 14. We're in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples have just had their last supper while he's here on earth. And they go to the Mount of Olives and they sing a hymn together. And then he's talking to his disciples. In verse 27, he says, You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And then Peter, here comes Peter, right? We've seen this a few times. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Have have you ever told God he's wrong? 
I mean, think about it. Jesus has just pointed back to an Old Testament, really a prophecy that says all of, your, all of his followers would fall away. And Jesus looks at it and he goes, nah. Despite every other one, every other prophecy in the Old Testament coming true, Peter's like, not me. Doesn't apply to me. And see, we can actually do this. When we look at what's in front of us and we think that we're, we're capable of handling it, then we can respond just like Peter does. And Jesus, when you look at what he says next, he goes, well, let's see. Verse 30. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Verse 31, here goes Peter again. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Now you look at this and you go, Peter, what is wrong with you? I mean, if we were standing there, we'd, we'd smack him upside the head and go, what are you doing? But you know what? This is not just a Peter thing. This is an all of us thing. Look at the next, the next part. And all the others said the same. All the others said the same. You know what this points out about us, about our human nature? It's simply this, that we work really, really hard to stand on our self-assurances don't we? When we look around at our life and we take inventory of the things that we think we can depend on and we can trust and can sustain us, we work really, really hard to stand on self-assurances. In fact, at Stanford University out in California, they have an actual name for this because you see it in the students. They call it duck syndrome. Okay, and duck syndrome, if you think about a duck, when you see a duck gliding across the water, I mean, it's, it's so smooth, isn't it? But what's going on underneath the water with those little legs of theirs? They're just doing this. They're just doing this. And at Stanford University, some professors pointed out that students who look to be doing this, underneath, everybody's doing this. And when you look at what happens next in this passage, you know what I think it is? I think it's Jesus saying, there's another way to go through life than doing this all the time. Take a look. Verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. Now, if you know anything about the name Gethsemane, it means olive press. Gethsemane was, there was a garden there that was full of olive trees. Okay, and some translations say it's oil press, where these olives would be pressed on and oil would flow out of them. And Jesus, knowing that this very night, he and his disciples were going to be pressed on. Look what he says next. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here, sit here. Wait, wait, Jesus, sit here? See, that's not our normal way of doing things, is it? When life presses on us, my first response and your first response is not to just sit, is it? No, our first response is usually to do what Peter, we just saw with Peter, we stand. We like to stand on our self-assurances. So Jesus, sit? And as we'll see, Jesus says, yes, sit. Because this kind of pressure requires a different kind of posture. Sit here while I pray. And look who he takes. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. 
Now, if you're familiar with the gospels, if there were three guys who tended to stand on their own self-assurances and rely on themselves, it was these three. I mean, Peter is just Peter. We, we see his name come up over and over and over. And as you read it, you go, he missed it. He just missed it. You know, great, great object lesson for us. And then James and John were referred to as the sons of thunder. And they, a few times, had gotten into arguments about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven between them. Who was going to get to sit to Jesus' right and left? And they were totally focused on themselves. Now, I don't say this to pick on these guys. I say it because I see it in my own life. It's that takes one to know one thing, isn't it? Well, he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and it says he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And, and I, I read those words, and I think that's, that's such an understatement. I think that we easily forget when you look back at the Old Testament, why is Jesus deeply distressed and troubled? Because when you look at how God responds to sins against him and his holy being, it's not pretty. You have, you have an entire city destroyed, Sodom and Gomorrah, totally destroyed by God in the Old Testament. And he looks at this man, Lot, and his wife, and he says, you're free to go. You can leave. Just one thing, don't look back. Don't look back. And Lot's wife looked back. And what happened? She was annihilated on the spot. You have Achan. Achan, who, who kept a little bit of plunder for himself. And when he was brought before the Lord, you know what happened? 36 men had to be killed because of what Achan did. And then he and his entire family were put to death. You have a man who was picking up sticks on the Sabbath in Numbers. And they bring him before the Lord. And they said, what should we do with him? And the Lord said, destroy him, stone him. See, it's not, it's not, you look at this stuff and you go, God, is that that big of a deal? And it's not the measure of the sin. It's the measure of the one who is sinned against. And God sees all this and he says, someone has to pay. There has to be a sacrifice in order for people to be made right with me. And so Jesus, knowing that he is that sacrifice, this night in the garden, realizes, and he's known, but now the night is here. He's going to take on all the wrath, all of God's wrath for every sin. I mean, in this room, there are hundreds of thousands of them that we could count, right? And Jesus becomes aware that he is going to take the brunt, the full force of God's wrath for every sin, for every person, for all time. And so he becomes deeply distressed and troubled. Well, it goes on. He says, my soul, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This would be enough to kill anyone. And Jesus is feeling the weight of all this. And then he says this. I mean, we see somebody in distress and what's our, what's our first thought? It's help them. Come to their aid, help them out. And you know what he says next to his disciples? Stay here. Stay here and keep watch. No, 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 Jesus, I want to help you. Let me, let me take some of this for you. And he says, no. No, no, no. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, verse 35. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. 
Now, can you imagine? We're used to thinking of Jesus as God, and he, and he was, but he's also fully human. And you're seeing the full humanity of Jesus right here. He says, if possible, I pray that this would be taken from me. And he says, Abba, Father, Daddy, Dad, please, Father, everything is possible for you. That is, you're so big. You're so omnipotent that you can make, you, this can happen any, any way. And then look what he says. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. See, if verse 35 highlighted Jesus' struggle, verse 36 is about his submission. In Gethsemane, as we see here, Gethsemane is the place those places of pressure that press on his disciples, that press on us, that's the place that Jesus asks us, instead of standing on self-assurances, I want you to sit and I want you to stay because I want you to see, watch, I want you to see something else. Now, I never really connected the dots of what he wanted us to see until I looked at the actual trees that, that, are, that grow in the Garden of Gethsemane. We've got a picture up here. This is an olive tree. And um, I mean, you've got olive trees in, in vineyards across the world that are nicely pruned and they look great. Not in Gethsemane. Gethsemane, they're, they're very snarly and, and just twisted. But look at this tree. You see a, a very broad trunk and almost from the ground, they start, they start branching off. And I thought about that and I went, okay, so Gethsemane is actually a very small garden. And, and you have, as olives are appearing on the branches, the branches start coming down. And it would be very difficult to see across the garden of Gethsemane from a standing position. And with, with these, these trunks branching off like this. And so what does he say? He says, sit, sit. And why does he tell them to sit? Well, what did he say next? He said, stay here and keep watch. I want you to be able to be positioned to see something. Now, when you hear keep watch, what do you think of? Keep watch feels like, well, let's, let's be on guard. Let's, let's sound an alarm if we see a threat. You know, I think of a radar. I think of a prison watchtower. I even think of the weather. You know, we watch for storms to come in. And yet, what does Jesus say? See, those are all, he says, sit. When we're on guard, is our position to sit? No, it's to stand up, it's to defend. But Jesus said, sit. And then when you look at what he says, he says, keep watch. And when you look at the original language, it's a present tense thing. It's, it's not watch out for what's coming, it's watch now for something else. And who does Mark highlight? Whose activity in what we just read did Mark highlight? Jesus says, sit here while I pray. And then he, he, Mark points out that Jesus fell to the ground. Jesus prayed. Jesus submitted. Is it possible that Jesus wasn't saying watch out for them, but he's saying watch now for him? I bring that up because I think a lot of us walk through life and we're on guard. 
And it's, oh, where's the next trial coming from? And how can I plan? How can I maneuver? How can I strategize so that I don't, I don't be, I'm not affected by this trial? And yet Jesus says, look, I don't, I don't want you to keep a watch out for life's hostility and, and how you can respond to it in your ability. I want you to keep a watch out for God's activity and Jesus' ability. Instead of standing on self-assurances, I want you to sit and see God's assurance that you and I have a substitute. We have somebody who we were supposed to take the brunt. We were supposed to take the punishment. And he says, no, 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 just sit. And I want you to watch. I want you to be vigilant for what Jesus is doing right now. And now Jesus is going to drive home a lesson. Even on the last night of his life, he's going to drive home. It's an observation about us and a lesson for us. Look at, look at what he says. Verse, or verse 37, Mark says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, isn't it fitting? He, he singles out Peter. Peter, who just was sure he would never fall away. Simon, could you not, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Peter said, even if I have to die with you, and, and Jesus says, die with me, I, I just want you to stay awake. I want you to stay alert for one hour. And look what he says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. And once again, when you look back at the original language, do you know what tense this is in? Present tense. Right now. Not watch for in a little bit, but watch now. Excuse me, watch now. Watch and pray so that you, what's the next word? Will not. If watch and pray refers to right now, what does will not refer to? Future. Jesus is saying, I want you to do something now that's going to sustain you in the future. I want you to watch and pray for my activity right now so that it will sustain you in the future. And what happens in the future? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. See, when we think of temptation, what do we think of? We think of addictions. We think of a vice that we we deal with. But there's another kind of temptation that Jesus is getting at here. Another kind of temptation is when we get into the place where life presses on us and it grinds on us. What is the temptation when you get into those moments? It's to run. It's to run. It's Lord, anything but this. Anything but this. This is standing over the wastebasket going, Ugh, uh, anything but this right now. And it's not just a stomach bug. It's everything in life. Jesus says, watch and pray now to sustain you for when life presses on you. And he continues, the spirit is willing. That's that piece of us that says, Lord, I, I will not fall away. He recognizes that's our spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, the flesh is weak because there are elements. Aren't there elements of the trial that you just could not account for? Right, when you didn't have the stomach flu, it's like, oh, just saltines and a little Sprite and I'll be fine till you get there. 
And then it's like, oh, I forgot. I need to crawl everywhere around the house. I need to like have sounds not invading my space. I need, I need dark room. I need, I just, uh, I just need to lay here. There are elements of trials that we cannot account for when we're not in them. And what Jesus is getting at is simply this, that we face tomorrow's pressure with today's posture. We face tomorrow's pressure with today's posture. And it brings up a few questions. It really does bring up a few questions. First of all, what's my posture? What is my posture? Am I standing on self-assurances or am I sitting in order to see God's assurance in his, all his assurances? What's my posture? And if you really want to know the answer to that question, actually don't ask yourself. Ask someone close to you. But I'll add this. Give up the right to justify or say anything back. Some of my hardest moments are when I go to my wife and I say, honey, hold up the mirror. Hold up the mirror. What is my posture right now? And, and she can tell me, I know she loves me, but it is so difficult not to, not to say, well, that's because, and that's because. No, what is my posture? And the second question is this, is that posture sustainable? Is it sustainable, really? Because it's very easy to say, like the disciple said, I will never fall away. And how long did that posture last him? Not even one hour. I was reminded of this, and some of you have heard this story. When, uh, when Carol went into labor with our first child, with Lainey, who was up here last night doing that, or last, last week doing that floss dance. When Carol went into labor with Lainey, I'm telling you, I went into this thing and I was like, I got this. I mean, I've been to the breathing classes. <laughs> Easy, okay, got it. I can coach her through that. And then they taught us this game on how to keep your wife's mind like off of the pain. And so I had practiced this game in the mirror. I went, okay, I got the breathing thing. I've got the game. I mean, I, I'm good for at least an hour on this thing. And I even, I was like, I'm, I'm ready to be totally stocked with ice chips. You know, in the middle of breathing, if she needs an ice chip, I'll just, I'll throw it, I'll just throw it into her mouth. And I didn't realize that the whole time I was picturing how this was going to go, I was thinking, this is going to be at like 11 in the morning after I've gotten up, I've gotten some quiet time, I've gotten to shower, I've gotten to just, <sighs> and that's not how it came about. Two in the morning, Kara like hits me and she's like, it's time to go. And I was like, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, hon. that's how I planned it. No, nope, it's time to go. <laughs> so we get to the hospital and you get in there and they get you admitted and she's laying there and, and about an hour went by and I was like, oh my goodness, I, I thought this was only supposed to go an hour or so. <laughs> no, no, we were there for a while. And, and then the other element I just never could have accounted for, you know, I, I was standing there and I wanted to be supportive. And so I gave her my hand to squeeze. Um, and I gave her the hand. Have you ever had your hand squeezed with a ring on it? I mean, it's, it's painful. And, and so I'm the idiot who said, honey, this hurts really bad. <laughs> And I looked up and the nurse was just like. 
Isn't it interesting how we face future pressure with today's posture? I was thinking this was going to be a breeze and then I got into it and there were elements I couldn't account for. And had I known, I maybe would have had a different posture going into it. Well, as you look at what happens next, you know what you get? You get a picture of what happens when today's posture is standing on our self-assurances as the disciples had done. Verse 39, once more, he, Jesus, went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back again, he again found them sleeping. And this is the point where when the teacher catches you in class sleeping, you say you were what? You were praying, yeah. (laughs) No comment from them. They were sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. They were at least smart enough to, to not say, we were praying because it's Jesus. He knows. He just knows. See, you know what happens when we spend all that energy standing on self-assurances? We sleep through God's assurances and we miss the activity of God. When I stand on self-assurances, I'm looking for the trial that's coming. My field of vision is directed on the attack and how am I going to defend myself? And that is very, very energy consuming to the point that we burn out. Are you tired this morning? Are you tired? Because I've been there very recently. And I can tell you that it is the result of standing on our self-assurances and we all do it. We all do it. And Jesus, I think part of what he's getting at here is we're missing out. You're missing an opportunity to stand on a strength other than your own. Well, this continues, this continues. Verse 41, returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Three times now, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. You know, what, you know what Jesus is communicating? You guys have squandered an opportunity. Disciples, we've squandered an opportunity to watch the very activity of God that he gave us a substitute. He gave us a savior on our behalf so that we don't have to take the pressure that presses on us. And his question, his question to them, is a good question for us. Am I, am I asleep? When he's asked me to be vigilant? That's me. Are we asleep when he's asked us to be vigilant? He says, look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And while Jesus very literally had a trial coming, you're gonna, we're going to talk about it next week. Jesus very literally had a trial coming. The trial for the disciples was at hand. It was here. And you know what? It did not go well. Because those who had stood on their self-assurance and slept through God's assurance, you want to know what happens when the trial finally shows up? Verse 46, it says, they came, they seized him and they arrested him. And one of those standing near drew a sword and cut off 
a guy's ear. Now, this is interesting to me. The first act, one of the earliest acts of violence in Christianity was not from those who persecuted Christianity and wanted to snuff it out. It was from a follower. A follower. And then it goes on, verse 50. They arrest Jesus and what happens? All the disciples, all the disciples who 19 verses earlier said, I'll never fall away. They emphatically insisted, I'll never fall away. And what'd they do? They fled. The temptation in trial is to flee and it's exactly what happened. And then you know the story, many of you, verses 68 through 72. Peter is questioned. Weren't you with Jesus? Weren't you one of his followers? Three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. See, we desperately, desperately need a different posture than the one we tend to walk around with. Desperately need a different posture. And so what does that posture look like? I mean, you read this passage and it's heavy and it's difficult and we're watching Jesus bear the weight of God's wrath for all of our sins. And what does he do? He says, stand back. We just watch. And yet, you know what you see in this? You know what you see in this passage? Jesus tells us exactly the posture we need to have. It's the kind of posture that stands up under, well, it doesn't stand up, but it's the kind of posture that faces tomorrow's pressures. Before, before they arrived to arrest Jesus and this trial came to the disciples' doorstep, and I'm gonna have the band, you can come up here. Um, they're gonna do one more song. But as I close, Jesus gave four commands, four commands before this trial showed up. He said, sit here while I pray. Stay here and keep watch and watch and pray. Sit, stay, watch, pray. Sit, stay, watch, pray. A three-year-old can memorize this. In fact, a dog can do this, mostly, mostly. If your dog's praying, please get a video and send that to us, all right? Sit, stay, watch, pray. You want to know the posture Jesus wants in his followers? Sit, stay, watch, pray. We sit to remind ourselves that we don't stand on our assurance. We stay because it's in staying we remain vigilant and watch for the very activity of our heavenly father and the ability of our savior, Jesus. We, we, we sit, stay, we watch. We watch, not for where the trial's coming from. You cannot possibly plan for it, but we watch for Jesus and his ability at work and we pray. You know what we pray for? This is so interesting to me. Gethsemane, the place where olives are pressed on. You know what comes out of an olive when you press on it? Oil. And oil throughout scripture symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, when life presses on you, you want to know what hangs in the balance? What hangs in the balance is that God wants to overflow the oil, the Holy Spirit, into your life and into the lives of those around you. 
That's the posture that handles tomorrow's pressure. Sit, stay, watch, pray. That's how we walk through trials. And how did Jesus walk through his trial? That is next week. So let me pray. And we've got one more song. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. That on a night in which you literally sweat drops of blood because of the burden of the wrath you took on our behalf, thank you that even then your eyes were on your heavenly Father and on us. And so you imparted yet another reminder, another lesson that we no longer have to stand on our self-assurances. We can, we can get positioned. We can take on a posture of seeing our heavenly father and his assurance. And that assurance, it's the saving work of Jesus, that he can take that pressure for us. So right on our hearts, impress it upon us today and all of our days that what you really wanna do is not send us running from the pressure, but you wanna give us a posture that withstands the pressure so that you would overflow into the lives of all the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.